Once again, good morning to you and a very pleasant Lord's Day uh, to you. We're going to spend just a few minutes thinking about some random thoughts concerning Thanksgiving. Some random thoughts concerning Thanksgiving. The idea of gratitude really is second nature to all of us who seek to follow Jesus. Second nature. One passage to consider is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20. Ephesians 5 verse 20 where Paul speaks about giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's so much in that little statement. But giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that in our mind, let's just think about some thoughts that can help us. What about expressing gratitude in face of the unknown? Expressing gratitude in the face of the unknown. The unknown. Proverbs 27 verse 1 really does teach us that to live life is to live in this state of the unknown. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's ahead of us. Proverbs 27 verse 1, Boast not yourself of tomorrow. For you do not know what a day, a day is going to bring forth. We know that to be very true. All of life is a risk. We, we do not have control. We cannot wrap our arms around what's coming uh, down the road. But we also admit that there are certain times that seem a little bit more frightening. That seem a little bit more out of control. And we must learn to express gratitude even in the midst of those times as well. Let's think about a lady in the Bible. We know her very well. Mary, the mother of Jesus. If anybody was um, facing something, some parts of life that could not be really understood, it, it had to be her. Here's a young lady not yet officially married, and yet um, told, we read about it in Luke chapter 1, she's a virgin, and she is told that she would bear a son. And she would be highly favored through this bearing of the son. He would be called great. He would be called the son of the Most High. She said uh, to Gabriel, the angel who was expressing this, relating this to her, she said, how can this be? Seeing I have never known a man. He said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you will be, you will be overshadowed um, by uh, power which is from on high. From power of the Almighty. And she, Luke 1, 38, she just simply says, Lord, uh, be it unto me according to your word. I am your handmaid. I am your servant. And then after a little time, Mary goes away to visit her cousin Elizabeth 
And of course, Elizabeth also is expecting a very special uh, child, John the Baptist. She's ahead of Mary in the pregnancy, but they express um, their um, time together. They, they tell about their experiences. Luke one forty six, we see Mary giving praise and gratefulness to God, almost like a song. If you look in your Bible, it's Luke one forty six to fifty five, and we remember her words, but especially her the first part of her words. She said, "My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior." If I want to learn how to express gratitude to God in the face of the unknown, then I will be like Mary here. First, Mary believed in the Bible. When you look at her song here in Luke 1, 46-45, there's over 23 references in these few verses. There's over 23 references to the Old Testament. Okay. At a very young age, she and Joseph knew their Bibles. She believed in the Bible. And then she also believed in the soul. Notice it says, she says here in her own words, my soul, my spirit rejoices. She believed in the soul. She was no humanist. She didn't believe that what you see is what you get. She knew that God made us with a physical body, but more importantly, within that spirit, within that physical body is the soul, the spirit of man, the real man, the one that will live on and on. We remember Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, for which cause we faint not, though our outward man is perishing, our inward man can be renewed day by day. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 16. We remember Jesus' words in Matthew 10, 28, fear not him, fear not them that can kill the body, but after that they have no more they can do, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body, soul and body, uh, in hell. So Mary believed both in the soul and body. She believed in the soul. Okay. And then she not only believed in the Bible and believed in the soul, but she believed in God as her Savior. God as her Savior. And Mary was chosen. She has great character. She was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, bring him up. But she, like all of us, she had sinned. She needed a Savior. She recognized what God was doing. Incredibly, she recognized what God was doing. She, she could see, she knew from her knowledge and her trust in God that He was bringing a Savior into the world. She needed that Savior. She needed to be forgiven of her sins as well. She believed in the Bible. She believed in the soul. She believed in God as her Savior. She believed that the Lord deserve to be magnified. My soul does magnify. That just simply means that the Lord would be her everything. The Lord is her everything. And from this point on, He will always be her everything. She will, she will magnify Him in worship. She will let Him be known to her family. She will let Him be known to her neighbors and friends. In her life and in her character and in her words, the Lord would be exalted the Lord would be made known. Others would be able to see Jesus living in her. And if we want to learn to express gratitude in face of the unknown, we also will believe in the Bible, we'll believe in the soul, we will rejoice and believe in God as our Savior, 
and we will seek to magnify Him all the time. Others will see Him living in our lives, directing our lives. If we have that going on for us, then we will also just almost second nature, we will express gratitude to Him. Sometimes we sing this song, O Thy Fount of Every Blessing. O Thy Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Fetter there, fetter, means a chain, a shackle. Notice what the verse says in that song. Bind my wandering heart to thee. That's, that's Mary. That's Mary. She was shackled to the Lord. She was chained to the Lord. Then, of course, she's going to express gratitude to the Lord, even in the face of the unknown. Let thy goodness like a fetter. By my wondering heart. Boy, doesn't that describe us? We have a heart for the Lord, but sometimes our hearts get to wondering. They, they, we were easy to stray. But oh, when we think about the goodness of God, it's also easy to remember we ought to be chained. We ought to be shackled to the cause of the great God. And so expressing gratitude in the face of the unknown. Second thought this morning, expressing gratitude in the face of pain. Expressing gratitude in the face of pain. This often is brought before us in Scripture. We remember in Acts 16, verse 25, that Paul and Silas, there in the area of Philippi, they have been beaten with many blows, many blows. And then they were thrown into an inner prison and their feet and their hands were put in stocks. They were chained to the floor, chained to the walls. But what did they do at midnight? Yeah, the prisoners heard them singing and praying to God at midnight. You see, expressing gratitude in the face of pain. What about Job? What about Job chapter 1? What about that? Job lost his children. Job lost his possessions. He lost his, his livelihood. All in a rush and series of tragic events. But you notice here in Job chapter 1, you remember what he said. We remember that Job, he washed himself, he shaved his head. Of all things, what's he going to do in reaction to this? He's going to go in and fall down and worship God. Job 1 verse 20. His first reaction after all this is to worship God. Express gratitude in the face of pain. And then he said, Job 1.21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, still, even so, Lord, even so, I'm going to praise you. Even so, I'm going to give you gratitude. Even so, you still are worthy of all of our devotion. Even though you have given and you have taken away, still, you deserve the honor. Expressing gratitude in the face of of pain, of pain. Jesus said that this would need to be the case. Matthew 5 and verse 
11. He said, when men revile you and say all manner of evil against you, rejoice. What was that? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were uh, before you. Yes, rejoice. Rejoice. Be grateful. Exalt the Lord. Because they are going to say all manners of evil against you because of who you are and who you serve. Rejoice. Peter follows up on this in 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. When he talks about the fiery trial, Peter said, when the fiery trial comes upon you, don't think it's strange. Just remember, rejoice and take this as part of the sufferings of Christ. Rejoice. And in 1 Peter 4, 16, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but rather let him glorify God in this name. Notice those two connections there, suffering and glorifying, expressing gratitude in the midst of pain. Now, I heard about an incident of a preacher in the Caribbean, and they were at a place called a leprosarium, a leprosarium, a place that, that housed lepers. And in the chapel area, they were conducting worship, and many of those afflicted came in. One particular lady sat on the back row, and instead of facing the front, she faced the back wall. And it was obvious why, because the leprosy had had done its work on her face, her nose, her lips, her ears. And she didn't want everybody to have to be looking at her. And so they began to conduct worship, and after a while, they asked, does anybody have a song request? And then it was at that time that the lady turned and faced the front and she said, could you sing Count Your Many Blessings? And of course they sung that song. And then the preacher and his helpers, they all walked out after that and they said, we will never sing that song again in the same way. Here this lady is, afflicted probably for somebody living on earth afflicted in such a way that hard to describe, and yet she was thinking of counting her many blessings. Indeed, it's so possible and so necessary to express gratitude in the face of pain. Now, for our next thought, before we get to our next thought, I want us to stop and consider the fact, again, that God wants us to give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, I believe, says that. Uh, check me on that. Is it 17 or 18? But we're to be giving thanks in all circumstances. And as Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, in nothing be anxious, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So these situations of expressing gratitude in the face of the unknown, expressing gratitude in the face of pain, again, shows us how important it is to give thanks all the time. And it seems to be saying to us, if we can give thanks during the hardest times, then we'll be able to give thanks at all times. Habakkuk chapter 3 is interesting as well, verses 17 to 19. 
where God was issuing you issuing a a warning there was going to be definitely a carrying away into Babylon because of his people's idolatry. And Habakkuk was struggling with that. But finally at the end of the book, Habakkuk would say, you know, even if the fig tree is not producing, even if there's nothing in our barns, even if there's no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And he will make my feet like deer's feet. Not the feet of deer. Now, we've all seen deer. They can move across the ground rather fast. You, you might have seen them jump across a road. It's just incredibly quick. It's another thing I've seen about deer is that there's no terrain where they can just not be natural. I, I've seen them on the side of a mountain where they're just grazing and doing their thing on the side of a mountain, and no threat of them like I would be. If I was on the slanted side of a mountain, I would be watching my every step so I don't go tumbling head headlong and start flipping. But no danger for them. They seem to have a balance in their legs, in their feet. It may be what God is saying here is that no matter what the terrain is, no matter what the situation in life is, if we will follow the Lord, if we will stay with Him, then He will cause us to be able to rejoice no matter what is standing in front of us. Now I want us to learn and relearn some things about gratitude. I need it. I need to relearn how to be thankful for the moment. To be thankful for the moment. One college uh, teacher He loved to teach early in the morning. If for no other reason, he wanted to do this exercise with his students. And so every once in a while he'd do this. They would come into class, 7.30 class or 8 o'clock class, drag themselves in, and he would tell them to get out a piece of paper first thing. And he asked them to write down uh, 10 things, 10 good things that had happened to them on that day on that day. Write down ten good things that had happened to them that day. And of course they'd all look at him like with this incredible look on their face. And some of them would even say, you know, uh, Mr. So-and-so, uh, we've barely been up 30 minutes here and you're wanting us to write about the events of our day. He said, well, no matter what, I want you to write down ten good things that have happened to you today. And so... Uh, they were struggling to get started. So he helped, he helped them get started. He said, okay, when you woke up this morning, did you reach out your hand and did, did you feel some, some satin, puffy uh, material? Did you reach out with your hand and, and on all four sides of you, did you feel some very satin, soft material? And they said, no. He said, well, that means you were, you're not, you were not in a coffin. You're alive. Okay. So he said, write that down. One good thing that happened to you today is that you're alive. He said, okay, when you woke up this morning, did you hear your alarm? Yeah, we heard our alarm. He said, write that down. Write that down. You're able to hear today. When When you got out of your bed and you put your feet on the ground, were you able to get up? Were you able to walk? Yeah. And so, write that down. And he said, when you got to the, to the restroom, uh, did you have water? And we had water. Write that down. 
Did you have hot water? Yeah, okay, write that down. And so he got them started and he said, look, we're already halfway through the list and you're not even out of the bathroom yet. But he was teaching them the very idea we got to be, we got to learn, relearn to be thankful for the moment. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. We, we have today. We can't live and rewind. We can't live and fast forward. We must learn to thank God for, for what, is, what is and what is before us. Thank God for today. Thank God for the moment. James was trying to teach his audience that in James chapter 4, 13. He says, come, come here now, those of you who say today or tomorrow we will go to a such and such a place, buy and sell and get gain. For as you know not what's on tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even as a vapor or a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. He says, you ought to say if the Lord wills we would do this or that not wrong to, to plan because he says there in that last part, if the Lord wills we would do this or that, but he's also teaching us to remember what is before us. To be thankful, to rejoice. The happiest, the most joyful people learn to be grateful uh, in the moment in which they live. Psalm 118.24 has the familiar statement. This is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I, I tend to think that there's a double meaning here. Leading up, Psalm 118, 22-24 is that statement that prophesies about Jesus. He is the stone which the builders rejected and He's been made the head of the corner. It could be that this day being uh, suggested here in, in Psalm 118, 24 is the first day because um, the the very day that Jesus became the head of the corner, the day that you know, he was rejected on Friday, he was crucified on Friday, but God made him uh, the head. And so it could be that the Lord is pointing mainly, mainly to the first day of the week here. But also there is that principle of being thankful for the day, the day in which you live. This is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. If you look in your Bibles to Psalm number... 42, you'll see that the Lord commands His love by the day and His song is with me in the night and this is the prayer of my life. The Lord commands His love to me, His mercy to me by the day. His song is with me in the night. This is the prayer of my life. But what David said in Psalm 3 and verse 5. I laid myself down to sleep. I awoke again. The Lord sustained me. I laid myself down to sleep and I woke up and I realized the Lord has sustained me. Being thankful for, for the moment. For the moment. And also, I think I need to relearn how to be thankful and learn the difference between needs and privilege. Needs and privileges. I think probably all of us would admit we need to relearn that from time to time. 
First Timothy chapter six, verses six to eight, Paul said, Having therefore food and clothing, let us therewith be content. If we have food and clothing and shelter and water, we have all we need to do the will of God. Our old teacher at college, Brother Winkler, used to say, we don't need much in this life and we don't need that very long. Please remember that. We don't need much in this life and we don't need that very long. We don't need much to do the will of God. Think about Jesus as an illustration of this. What did he have? Has anybody ever accomplished more than the Lord? Never. What did he have? He, he once said in Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62, he said, The Son of Man does not have a place to lay his head. The birds of the air have nests. The foxes have their holes. Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. We know that he comes from a very poor family. And he didn't have much in this life at all. But yet look at all that he accomplished. Some of the brethren tell of a a camp out in Texas. And a regular um, participant every year, his name was Keith Dunbar. Keith Dunbar. And Keith uh, had been pretty much crippled all his life. He had braces on his legs and he had a hard time not only not only moving his legs but also uh, speaking. Just had a hard time all the way around. But he'd come to camp every year. One year in class at camp, they were asking the students to tell about some significant things that had happened to them throughout the year. And to come to Keith... He said, I have such a wonderful life. He said, I get to come here and watch all of you other guys use your bodies and do arts and crafts and sing. And I get to hear about what you're doing for the Lord. I have such a wonderful life. I believe he had learned to be content. Having food and raiment therewith to be Content. At a university campus, there was a young lady who lost her father suddenly and tragically, and she was very young. But she was able to tell someone right after this happened. She said, You know, relationships are really a luxury. To have the relationships we have in life is is a blessing. It's a blessing. But even when that's taken away, the Lord still gives us all we need to do His will in the short time that we have here. Being grateful and learning the difference between needs and privilege is very important. Most of us feel like we are very much blessed and favored by God. But this doesn't mean, or does it, Does it mean that we're better than other people? Does it mean that we're better? Does it mean that we work harder? No. It just simply means we're blessed. 
that farmer over in Uganda, that store owner over in India, they work just as hard as any of us, just as dedicated in what they're doing as we are. We're blessed, we're favored. We're not always sure why. We know it's the truth, and we have to turn around and thank God and remember the difference between needs, desires, wants, and privileges. And then as we draw our thoughts to a conclusion for this morning, of course, we want to learn again what it means to be thankful for the cross, thankful for Jesus. I don't know how you would think about it in your own mind, But we must be thankful for the life that was sacrificed. Not just any life. The life of Jesus, the Son of God Himself. The only one who could really be sacrificed for sin was given at the cross. Jesus was the Lamb without spot and without blemish. 1 Peter 1, 19. We're thankful for the life that was sacrificed. That life. Think about that life. He came into this world through Virgin Mary, through a miracle. He did miracles. He did wonders. He did signs. His teaching was absolutely remarkable, deep and profound, but yet understood by the most common people walking on the streets. What a life he led. We're thankful for the life that was given. We're thankful for the blood that was shed. God had for a long time been shedding the blood of animals in preview of this ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. What this shows is that God actually wants us to be in heaven with Him. It actually shows that God wants to walk with us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be near Him. only way is for us to be cleansed of our sin because God is so holy We're thankful for the blood that was shed. We're thankful for the power that was displayed because when we take the communion and when we assemble together, it's the first day of the week, which is a representation, a remembrance of that resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We're thankful for the power that was displayed here at the cross, but all throughout the life of Jesus. And the very fact that we have the the scriptures to help us understand these things is power in itself. We're thankful for the power that was displayed. We're thankful for the many lives that have been changed. And what about yours? What about mine? Has, Has my life been changed by the cross? It's certainly possible. You know, when we're baptized into Christ, according to Romans 6, Verse 4, you keep reading verse 5 and 6. We are crucified with him. Our old man, our old man is crucified. When we come to Christ, we experience a crucifixion as well. My old, my old man, my old ways is dead. Crucified. So that I can raise, be raised to walk in newness of life. We are with Jesus in his death. We're with him in his resurrection in that sense. Thankful for the lives that have been changed. Where would we be without the cross? 
And I'm thankful for the knowledge that can be gained. But Jesus himself said in John 14, 7 through 9, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Look at all that we know. Look at all that we know. There was a man who had decided because he had just had some rough edges in his life. He had some things go sideways in his life. He just decided that from this point on, he had, he had a little farm. He basically, as much as he possibly can, he's going to shut himself off from the rest of the world. So he lived in a little house that had a little barn next to it. One wintry night, it was just about as cold as it had ever been, at his kitchen window, some little bitty birds come flying up, pecking on the window. And it was obvious to him that they were very cold, and they had felt the warmth inside. And so he thought to himself, he said, I don't, I don't really want those birds in the house, but I don't like them freezing either. And so he said, I'll just go outside and see if I can just get them into the barn, let them, let them be in the barn for a while. But as he went outside and he opened the barn door, his, his massive figure, each time he'd go outside, would just scare the birds. And they'd go flying off until he came back inside and there they were at his window again. And so he'd go back outside, and again, he tried to open the barn door, let them in, and they would just get scared and wander off. He tried putting some seeds in the barn to lure them in, some little bit of pieces of bread, cracker in there still. And he just stood there in the cold thinking, he said, you know, if I could just, if I could just become a bird for just a few minutes and, try, and explain to them what I'm trying to do for them, how much better that would be if I could just become one of them, be able to communicate with them just for a few minutes, then maybe. Maybe. They'd come on in. And that's what the Lord has done. When He said, He that has seen Me has seen the Father. Because Jesus came and gave Himself for us, look how much more we know about God. We don't have to be scared of the Lord. We just need to embrace who He is and give ourselves to Him. We invite you today in the name of Jesus to come home to Him. Are you wondering? Do you have that wondering heart that needs to be bound back to the goodness of God. The good thing about God is He's always good. Which means He's always willing to accept our humble repentance, our humble obedience to Him. We invite you to come right now as we stand together. As we stand.